Our scripture reading today comes from Jeremiah 31, verses 7 through 14. For thus says the Lord, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them forth to the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth, among them the blind and the lame, the pregnant woman and she who is in labor, together, a great company, they shall return here. With, key, with weeping, they shall come, and with pleas for mercy, I will lead them back. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is his, my firstborn. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the coastlands far away. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young woman rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All right, please be seated. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm going to get connected here really quick. Just make sure. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a new year. I'm really excited for what I have to share with you today. The title of this message is just "We Are Sola," um, and what I want to do is I want to talk to you about. Um, who we are as a church, I think it's good to uh, occasionally go back and remind ourselves, like who who are we as a uh, who are we as a church? What are our core values? Um, and then also say, how are those core values going to affect us in this coming year? Like, where are we going? What are we going to be doing? Um, what are we going to be studying? What are we learning? Um, how are these core values actually going to work themselves out um, over the course of this next year? So we want to start this year. Um, by just saying, here's who we are, and here's what's important to us, here's how we operate, and then here's what that's going to look like specifically uh, in the coming year. So um, if you've been with us, you probably know uh, in the past year or so, we kind of rewrote our mission statement, um, and our mission statement is this, uh, Sola Church exists to love God by living as a family of missionary servants who make disciples for the flourishing of our city. Hopefully that's not the first time you've heard that. I know we, we may, may not say that a lot, um, and maybe we need to say it more, but let me just read it one more time. Sola Church exists to love God by living as a family of missionary servants who make disciples for the flourishing of our city. There's a lot of little buzzwords 
in there if you pick those up, right? Um, and uh, there, there's a little tagline on our on our website that says, um, "We uh, Sola loves God for the flourishing of our city, or for the uh, so we love God for the good of our neighbors." I almost messed it up. Um, loving God for the good of our neighbors is um, is kind of the the tagline that you'll see uh, on our website and promotional materials. And what we want to emphasize with that. Um, it's not that we we just love God because we want our neighbors to be good, or it's not we just love our neighbors because we love. We actually believe that um, loving God and loving our neighbors are not two distinct things. Okay, the way that we love God is by loving our neighbors, by actually participating with Him uh, on His his mission that he's, he's going to accomplish. So if I told you that I love my wife um, and then you watched me and my wife and I got together maybe once a week and had a conversation um, and that was about it, um, you would probably question, what do you mean when you say you love your wife? Right? But if you see me supporting my wife and working with her on, like as partners on a mission together and, 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 and we're both mutually submitting to each, each other, then you get this picture of what it looks like for me to love my wife. Okay, So um, loving God doesn't just mean we show up once a week and learn about him or sing to him. Loving God means we are participating with him on his mission um, and, and those two things go together. You cannot, you cannot claim to love God without loving your, your neighbor, okay? Um, so from our mission statement, I want to talk through some of our core values. If you've been through Sola Basics recently, um, you've probably seen these, right? We're going to do the true story again. Um, we're we're going to review what we believe as a big picture uh, of, of the whole world. Okay, so, uh, so kiddos, what is in the true story? What is the, uh, the first symbol in our true story symbols? Anybody know? What's the first symbol? Yeah? Oh, you're really close. You're really close. It's actually, Aiden? It's the down arrow, yeah. So here's the down arrow. And what does the down arrow stand for? Bryce? Uh, well, it was new, I guess, when it started. <laughs> but yeah, that's the idea. It's creation, right? Um, so God created the world. He created it good. He created man and woman. He created them to be in fellowship with him. He made them in his image. We are relational beings made to flourish in relationship with our creator, right? Um, and everything went perfectly, right? They lived in the garden. They tended the garden. There was no shame until, what's the next symbol, Okay, An X, all right? What does the X stand for? fall, right? Instead of enjoying flourishing with God, enjoying that relationship with God, man wanted to be like God. Man wanted that sovereignty. Uh, man wanted that control over their own lives, um, and they chose to disobey God and eat the fruit, okay? Um, and all of creation was plunged into sin and death, right? That's, that, that was the judgment. In the day that you eat of the fruit, you will surely die. Um, and that death isn't necessarily just like, hey, you stop, you stop breathing, because Adam and Eve didn't stop breathing the day that they ate the fruit, did they? But all of creation was plunged into judgment, and there was that spiritual death um, that now reigns, and creation is groaning, waiting to be redeemed. 
And all of us suffer the effects of the fall. Um, and so at that point, um, God just wiped everybody out, right? And just kind of started over. Is that, is that what he did? Well, kind of with Noah. But um, what, did, what did God do after that? After the X, what's the next symbol, kiddos? What's the next symbol? We got the down arrow. We got the X. What's that? Side arrow. Side arrow. Yeah, we're, we're pointing to the right. Um, and what does that arrow stand for? promise. So God calls Abraham to himself. Um, God launches essentially this rescue mission that involves all of these Old Testament covenants, which are promises that God is making that he is going to keep. Um, He calls Abraham, says, I'm going to make a great nation and all of the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, right? He calls David and he says, I'm going to set up a king, a kingdom, Um, and a line of kings that will rule and reign forever. And one day, one of your offspring um, will take the throne and rule and reign eternally, right? Um, There's there's also, there's a Mosaic covenant about how they're supposed to act with God and how um, they are to be set apart as a people of God. So God makes these promises and the people, um, they take these promises and now they're waiting for all the promises to be fulfilled. And there's this long, like thousands of years of waiting for the promises to be fulfilled. And every once in a while you get these people who are like, is God really going to keep his promises, right? Because um, some really bad things happened to the people of Israel over the course of their history. They broke the Mosaic covenant over and over and over again. And God's judgment was to remove his presence. So now the people are without the presence of God. They have all these promises that they're still waiting to be fulfilled. Um, and, and what happens? How are those promises fulfilled, kiddos? What's the next symbol? Julia? The cross. Right? What does the cross stand for? Julia, go ahead. Church. Church, uh, close. We're almost to the church. Brookie? Jesus dying. I'm just going to write Jesus, right? Um, we say redemption. Um, all of these promises come true in the person of Jesus, okay? So for our scripture reading today, Amanda read from Jeremiah, and it has all of these promises about, I, I, I love some of these promises. Let me just read you some of these promises again. The Lord has ransomed Jacob, has redeemed him from from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden, um, and they shall languish no more. Then shall the young women rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them, give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. All right? These promises start to come true in Jesus. Right? We're waiting for their complete fulfillment. But here comes Jesus. He's going to take these promises. And over and over again, through the course of his ministry, we see him claiming those promises to himself. Right? In Luke, he, he goes to the synagogue, and it's his turn to read from Isaiah. And he reads the passage in Isaiah about um, the, the, the lame walking and the blind receiving their sight and the deaf hearing and the prisoners going free. And he reads it, and then he sits down, and he tells them, what? This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Right? Today is that day of jubilee. Jubilee. 
what he's telling them is all of these promises are now coming true in me and I'm starting them. And so Jesus starts the promise. He, 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 he lives this life of ministry where he collects all of these promises to himself. And a lot of times we skip over. It's, it's really easy. We celebrate, uh, uh, we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Easter. And it's almost like here's the only two important parts of Jesus' life, his virgin birth and then his death on the cross. And if you read the creeds, it would it, be easy to get that idea, right? Um, that I, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. Who, and, and it just talks about it was born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, right? And it skips over this whole 33-year portion of his life um, as if it wasn't all that. And I don't think that's what they were trying to do. Um, It was more unintentional that we lose the meaning of Jesus' life. But Jesus spends his life reminding us of these promises and collecting them to himself and showing us what, uh, what this kingdom is going to be like that he's about to set up, okay? So Jesus comes, he sets up his kingdom, um, he dies on the cross for our sins, and then he is vindicated by his resurrection. He shows that he has the power over sin and death, that he has conquered them, and then he ascends up into heaven, not the, the, the point of the ascension is not that Jesus is gone. The point of the ascension is that now Jesus has all authority and is ruling, ruling and reigning over all things, right? Um, we don't operate as if Jesus is all of a sudden gone. We operate as if he said, all authority has been given to me and then I'm sending you out, right? So Jesus collects all this authority. He ascends into heaven as a visible um, representation of the fact that he is collecting that authority, that he is the one with that authority. And and what does, what does he do with us now? What's the next symbol, kiddos? We've got the down arrow. We've got the X. We've got the right arrow. We've got the cross. What's next, Erica? Uh, close. It's an arrow. Which way is it pointing? Nope. Almost. Aiden? Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's the same as the promise. It's to the right there, right? And what does the right arrow represent, Bryce? Church. So Jesus collects all of this authority, and what does he do with that authority? He sends out his disciples to begin this process of, uh, of being on mission to restore all creation to himself, right? So he, with his authority, he sends us out, and we get that in uh, Matthew 28. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So he sends out his church to be on mission with him, restoring all things to himself, and then what are we waiting for? So, so this is us right here, right? We're, we're here. What are we waiting for now? What's next in the true story of the whole world? What's the next symbol? Erica? Erica? Oh, you're close. Uh, it's the, it's the, the down arrow. And honestly, like the, the down arrows and up arrows, sometimes I, 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 don't, I don't like them just because it's almost like God is up there and then he's going to come down. Um, and it, it can sometimes convey the wrong idea. Um, but what, is that, what does that down arrow represent? Julia, what does that down arrow represent? What's that? New creation. So what Jesus has begun... He will one day come and actually complete. Um, He defeated Satan's sin and death at the cross, and he vindicated that through his resurrection. And one day he will come and actually rid the world of Satan's sin and death, right? 
He began the process of restoring creation to himself, and you see him over and over again during his ministry, um, healing people, um, restoring people, um, and, and, and undoing the effects of the curse of sin. One day he will come and actually remove the effects of the curse of sin, right? So we're waiting for new creation, for, uh, for God's kingdom to come on earth completely as it is in heaven. And right now we have glimpses of it. We have thin places. Um, we have, uh, like Eric and Jess talked about, like the unveiling where we, we pull the veil back a little bit and we are participating in that process. And what we do now is going to matter into new creation um, but we're not, we're not going to get there until Jesus actually returns. The work that you're doing, um, while it's valuable, um, you're not going to complete it until Jesus actually returns. You're not going to solve the world's problems. You're not going to completely remove poverty. You're not going to completely conquer all sin, right? But the work that we do now is valuable. will last in a new creation. All right, so that's our, that's our true story. Um, so like I said, we live right here. This is us. Um, and what does it look like for us to live right here in, uh, in the overlapping ages? So here's another picture that we like to use. It's called um, the overlapping circles, the overlapping ages. If you're a math geek, um, we're going to do a Venn diagram here. Um, I used to love doing Venn diagrams. Um, I still, I, I miss teaching math, so I'm going to be a math teacher here. So we've got this uh, present age the present age is marked by Satan, sin, and death, all right? Um, and Satan is, is ruling and reigning to a certain extent. Um, sin and death are, um, are prevalent. And what Jesus does when he comes and what the Jewish people thought would happen, would the, there would be this new age, this coming age, that we would just leave the present age and step right into the coming age. Um, and, and, and that would be it. And then the present age would be done. But what Jesus did is he pulled the coming age into the present age. So here in the coming age, we have God, worship, and life. And so instead of just stepping completely from one age to another and having this hard break, like Jesus rises again and all of a sudden sin is gone and death is gone and there's no effects of sin anymore, what he does is he pulls God, worship, and life into this present age with Satan, sin, and death. So Satan, sin, and death are still part of the world we live in, but now Jesus is pulling this God, worship, and life. And in the middle, what we have are gospel. I'm not going to be able to fit this. Gospel, community, and mission. Okay? So here's where we're living here in the middle. So 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that... Uh, uh, Christ is the first fruits. Um, then it is coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under, uh, uh, under his feet. So Christ has been given all authority. He's pulled this coming age into the present age, and he is the first fruits of that coming age that we get to experience right here and now. 
But then what's going to happen? Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after completely destroying every rule and every authority and power. All right? So here's us right here in this middle feeling the tension of God worship and life and Satan sin and death. We are experiencing both right? We have incredible joys that we see when, when we, we experience those thin places, the, the, the veil being lifted a little bit where we see God's power breaking into this world. And then we also experience um, the suffering and the brokenness of a world that, um, that is marked by Satan, sin, and death, right? We're right there in the middle with gospel, community, uh, and mission. We're going to talk more about that specifically in just a minute. The last one, our identity, the hardest one to draw, okay? Um, but it's important um, as, as we work out who we are uh, individually as, as people and how that relates us to each other. So I'm, I'm going to try to draw this. It's like a little fleur-de-lis thing. Okay. There, that's, that's as good as, as I can do. Okay, so, so we're given a specific identity. Matthew 28, um, when, when he tells his people, when he sends his disciples out to go on mission, he says, I want you to uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, that we have this tripartite identity um, that when we become a, a believer, we are now uh, uh, given the identities that come with the Trinity. Okay, so, so we have um, God the Father. And the Father makes us family together. Okay? The Father, um, by being a father, by adopting us into his family, now we are family together. So our identity involves us having a good father, and now we are, we are together family. The son is the servant. Okay? So the son came not to be served, but to serve. He that would be greatest among you must be what? Servant of all. In his demonstration of here's, here's what ministry is going to look like the night that he is betrayed, what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet and he's, um, he is the, the servant. So um, as we're baptized in the name of the son, we receive the, the servant identity, the identity as, as servants. And then last, uh, we have the spirit and the Spirit gives us our missionary identity. We are sent out with the Spirit. We are now um, actually uh, vessels of God where God is living within us and we are representing him to the world through the power of the Spirit, right? We, normally we have a little sign up here um, that talks about these identities. Right here, that th- all of those meet together. That's what it means to be a disciple, Okay, so if, if you were to go back to our, uh, uh, our mission statement, um, we are a family of missionary servants making disciples, okay? So where do we get that? Those are our identities right here. Oh, and I lost it. <laughs> Let me go back. Try it again. Oh, there it's back. Okay, those are our four. We're a family of missionary servants making disciples. Okay, um, that's that's where that comes from. These are our identities, um, and all those together is what it means to be a disciple. 
Um, a lot of times discipleship gets distilled down to just like a student, right? Um, and, and, and discipleship is something that is like I'm transferring information to you, um, and so like I'm your teacher. And that's, that's what we think of when we think about discipleship. We think about Bible studies and classes and lectures. Um, and, and in reality, discipleship encompasses these identities where we are being family together. We are serving alongside of each other. We are living on mission together. That's actually what it means to be a disciple. And there's learning involved. Like we actually do need Need equipping. We need to understand what the Bible teaches in order to do that effectively. Um, but it's more about the the way we interact and live than the things that we know. Okay. So there's our identity. So so how does this work itself out? Um, we talk about um, living in the the overlapping ages. Let me come back to this one really quick. And right there in the middle, there's gospel community mission. What does it look like for us um, to live out gospel community and mission? All right. The gospel we believe is, uh, isn't just a set of instructions. It's actually a story that we are part of. Right? That's why we do that true story thing over and over and over again to emphasize that the Bible isn't just delivering this set of instructions to us. The good news is actually this story that we find ourselves in the middle of that we need to play our part in. Right? So what we're going to do this year, we're going to start the year by finishing uh, the mental health series. Let me go ahead and move forward. Um, so we, last year we had our adult equipping focus on, on mental health. We talked about the biology of the brain. We talked about poverty in the brain, the trauma of foster care, uh, and the addicted brain. And we had some really great speakers come and share um, their, essentially their life's work. They have dedicated their life to understanding the brain and helping people um, to, to cope with some of the effects of sin on the brain, Right? So we're going we're gonna to kind of wrap that up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to take a, a Sunday next week. Um, we're going to hit some of the highlights that we learned. Um, a lot of this, though, is directed um, outward, right? So, so like we're, we're going to be on mission with the vulnerable and the oppressed, and here's a lot of the mental health issues that we're going to encounter as we do that. Um, what we didn't necessarily do is say, okay, let's take it inward and say, what, what mental health issues do we struggle with, right? Um, and so, so we're going to hit some highlights next week of what we learned last year. Uh, but we're also going to have Megan Magel, who's going to come and talk about uh, specifically anxiety and depression, um, what it looks like to struggle with those things, um, how we as a community can work together to, um, to increase vulnerability with each other, to help each other overcome some of those issues of anxiety and depression. So uh, Megan's going to be with us next week. Megan did our trauma foster care. Um, she's done a lot of sessions uh, with us. So Really looking forward to that. Um, then we're going to pick up on our 2020 um, adult equipping focus. Um, and the 2020 adult equipping focus um, is on, on politics. Um, it's going to be called The Kingdom and the Nation, Christian Citizenship in a Political World. Um, politics occupies, like right now, politics occupies a bigger space in our minds than it probably should. All right. Um, there's there's a, a good thing to it in that we are all um, probably caring a little bit more than we used to about our political system. Um, but at the same time, it has uh, it has driven a wedge between us as people. Um, so what we want to emphasize is that we are um, 
We are united as a church, even though we may have very disparate political beliefs, um, and that what we want from a society is a society that cares for the vulnerable and the oppressed. Okay, so those are going to be some of our biggest focuses. How do we talk about politics in a way that emphasizes our unity together as believers, um, that emphasizes the fact that we love each other, right? Um, how do we have those discussions? Um, it's very easy to be vitriolic on Facebook and Twitter. Um, it, it's very different when you're sitting across the table from somebody that disagrees with you, okay? So how do we foster those kinds of conversations um, where we can understand each other a little bit better? And then also, how do we advocate for a society um, that cares about the vulnerable and the oppressed um, and that is going to stand up? If you read the Old Testament um, and a lot of the New Testament, over and over and over again, nations are judged based on how they treat the vulnerable and the oppressed among them, right? One of the, the like, over and over as we went through Isaiah, Israel wasn't always judged for, you know, their, their idolatry and worshiping other idols, um, their sexual immorality. Over and over and over again, it was um, like you, you, you judges, you took a bribe and trampled the rights of the poor. Um, you oppressed the, the widows among you and didn't care about them. You didn't care for the immigrant and the stranger, and you, you never offered them safe refuge right? So over and over again, that's what nations were judged for. Um, and we saw this, like it wasn't just the Israelites. Um, Isaiah has judgments on nation after nation after nation. Um, and over and over again, it's you did not treat the vulnerable and the oppressed um, as, as they should. Um, so so we're going to talk, uh, uh, we're going to have four sessions, just like we did this year, quarterly sessions. The first one is one month from now, um, February 5th, um, and we have Michael Ware who's going to come and speak for us. Um, if, you, if you don't know, like I, I tell people we're having Michael Ware in. If you're not into politics, you probably never heard of him. If you're into politics, um, you've probably heard of him. Um, he wrote a book, I meant to have it with me, it's called uh, Reclaiming Hope. Um, he, uh, he is part of one of the leaders in the AND campaign, which is a, um, a, a political, a Christian political group um, seeking to kind of find a third way um, between, you know, right and left. Um, and, and they're doing really great work. We're hoping to get uh, an AND campaign chapter in Denver here eventually. Uh, Michael Ware is one of the youngest White House staffers in history. Um, and he's going to come and speak for us uh, a week from now. We're, we're working on event space. I think we've got... Uh, We've got it almost settled, so we'll have some information going out, registration information. Um, but that's the first one. Um, we're going to talk about a worldview, like how do we actually interpret this political world? Um, what are our values and how do they, um, how do they come to bear uh, on our political systems? Then we're going to look at two specific um, areas uh, that, that we think are really important right now. Um, so our second session will be about immigration. And we're going to have North Littleton Promise come in um, and possibly some other partners. We're going to have some uh, a panel of speakers. We... Uh, um, we are going to have uh, Matt Sorens, who is one of the directors of World Relief. Um, he's going to come in and speak for us on a Sunday um, and talk about what, 
what is God's heart for the immigrant? And then how does our current system work? I think there's a lot of ignorance about exactly how our system works and, and, and in some ways how it doesn't. So we had Anthony Wanjiru, uh, uh, it was two years, it, seems, it seem, doesn't seem that long ago. He was with us uh, in 2018 and he talked about, here's my experience as an immigrant. Um, if you don't know, Anthony actually got deported last year. Um, his visa expired um, and they didn't renew it. He didn't have the opportunity to apply for a green card. And so he had to pack all of his things and go back to, to Kenya disrupt his life and everything. Once he was back in Kenya, he was able to reapply for a visa and eventually got it approved. And so after a month there, he moved, packed up all this stuff and, and moved back um, and is, is here now. So um, we're hoping to have him come in. Um, my mom is an immigrant um, and she came here um, in the, the 60s or 70s um, as an immigrant um, from Bolivia. Um, on a student visa and eventually got her citizenship. And right now she does a lot of work in immigrant communities through the Sheridan School District. Um, so we want to talk about like, what is God's heart for immigration? Um, what does our current I- immigration system look like? Um, how can we advocate for the immigrant among us? Okay. The third session will be on poverty. Um, how, does, how does poverty work? Um, what, what are some systems that, um, that actually are in place that keep people in poverty? What are some things that actually work to bring people out of poverty? And then how do we advocate for systems that will actually be effective? Okay, so, so we're going to talk about um, how poverty works, how we can effectively advocate. Um, and then last, we're going to have an election in November of, of this year. Um, so our last session will actually just be uh, a public forum where we're going to um, look at the ballot. Uh, we're not going to look at it, uh, the candidate specifically. We're going to look at the ballot and everything that's common to us in Colorado um, and, and talk about like, here's, um, here's this proposition. Here's this amendment. What is it, what is it trying to do? What, is, what does it mean? Um, like sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but if, if you don't study up before you actually get to your ballot, um, a lot of times they, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Um, in Colorado, because of Tabor, anytime they want to uh, raise taxes, they have to make an amendment, and it has to start with, shall taxes be increased, right? Um, it is legally, legally required that they start the amendment um, with that phrasing, and a lot of people read, shall taxes be increased, and they say, no, I don't want taxes to be increased, right? So we had Amendment uh, 93, I think it was a couple years ago, to increase funding to schools, um, and it failed. Um, and now, I don't know about your district, uh, but our district got an email saying, hey, we we have a significant shortfall, and we are going to have to release staff. Um, we're not going to be able to cover um, as much athletics, so fees are going to go up. Um, you know, here's all of the effects of that, right? Um, and you know who it ends up affecting the most are the impoverished in our communities, right? Um, if you are struggling financially um, and your kid wanted to play a sport, guess what? It, that it's going to, it's probably going to be prohibitively expensive for them to do that. Like our kids um, participated in marching band and there's this expense that goes along with it. Um, I will say it is one of the best experiences of their high school career, right? Um, but it's also hard to think that there are people in our community that probably can't afford it. Um, and, and as things continue um, the way that they're going, it's just going to get worse and worse. All right. Um, so 
we're going to talk through our ballot and say, here's, here's what this ballot is, this, um, this item is saying. Here are the arguments for it. Here are the arguments against it. All right, let's talk about it. We did this back in 2016 um, together with Providence Church downtown, um, and it was, it was a great experience to actually just sit with people who disagreed with you right? Um, and actually talk out, like, here's why I think um, we should vote yes. Here's why I think we should vote no, okay? Um, so that's, uh, that's our adult equipping series. When we talk about gospel, we believe that we're connected to this story, and by being connected to that story, it actually works itself out um, in these areas of our life. And one of the things that's really important in the coming year is the political. We are called to be um, good citizens of the, like we are to seek the peace of Babylon, he talks about in Jeremiah, right? Seek the peace of the city, um, and so we want to do that. We want to do it effectively. We want to do it um, with, with knowledge. We're also going to study uh, Ecclesiastes. Um, this is going to start soon. Last year we did, um, how to, and, and um, Rob has been asking to do Ecclesiastes for a long time. Um, and part of this is I, I love Rob. Um, and so I'm, I'm so excited to say like, yes, let's do Ecclesiastes. But one other reason I'm really excited for Ecclesiastes is like as we work through how to read the Bible, one of the big takeaways is that the Bible doesn't exist as an instruction manual. Um, and it's so easy to read the Bible as an instruction manual. It's easy to come and get your nugget for the day um, and have that power you through the day. It's really hard to do that with Ecclesiastes, all right? You take that approach and all of a sudden you read through Ecclesiastes and it starts out with vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Like everything is meaningless and temporal and, and illusory. And, and you get, you know, you get a couple chapters into it and it's like, there's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Just eat, drink and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. Right? Imagine taking that as your nugget, put it on your mug. I do not recommend that. But as we talk about reading the Bible effectively, we're going we're gonna to walk into a book that is this weird collection of poems and prose and proverbs and, and all of these different things um, and work to make sense of it right? What does it actually mean for us? What is it telling us? Um, and then also, like, what is it enabling us to do? It's, in, in a certain sense, it's enabling us to ask deep and hard questions and, and wrestle, okay? So we're going to come to Ecclesiastes, and, and it's not always going to be like, here's the direct thing that you're supposed to take away, and here's how it's supposed to impact your life. It really is, here's something that you need to wrestle with for a while, um, and there's not great answers to them, right? So I'm, I'm really excited about Ecclesiastes. I think that's going to be um, a great series working through it. Um, like there's this, there's this sense of um, ennui when you all of a sudden realize how temporal life is. Um, and, and it gets worse like as you step into situations where you're, um, you're unsure of the future, right? Um, all of a sudden you start to lose purpose and, and meaning. Like I remember um, uh, at the first school I taught at, um, it was around April that I knew I wasn't coming back the next year. And there was this sense of nothing I do here matters right now. Like, what are they going to do? Fire me, right? 
Like, I know I'm not coming back. I know, and, and, and there's, there's kind of that feeling. We, we struggle with, with those kinds of things, whether it's like with, with job loss, whether it's family impermanence, there's, there's, there's uncertainty that we run into. And when we run into that, we start to lose um, a sense of purpose. Okay, um, and and a lot of Ecclesiastes is just like, hey, this is just van, this is soap bubbles. Um, they're they're just gonna pop. Um, so I'm looking forward to to Ecclesiastes um, in the coming year. Like as we um, as we talk about a gospel and the story that we're part of, um, we have surge intensive uh, intensives, and we've got some really great speakers that are going to come and speak for us. February 19th, um, Derek Kelsey is going to be here. He's going to talk about mission, and specifically, he's going to help to kick off um, our equipping sessions on on politics. January 19th, yeah, January 19th, sorry, in two weeks, um, January 19th, Derek Kelsey will be with us. Um, Jim Mullins is going to be with us later this year. Jim just wrote a book, um, The Symphony of Mission. Did I get that right? The Symphony of Mission. Um, it was just published. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm excited for it. Um, and he's going to be with us and, and speaking to us. And then Brian Gray um, is going to be the last speaker. So we've got some just some really great voices um, coming to to speak to our body this year. I, I, I cannot tell you, like, um, like for a church our size to have some of these, um, uh, to have Michael Ware and Matt Sorens and um, um, and Jim Mullins, Derek Kelsey, Brian Gray, um, I, I really believe you're going to be blessed by their ministry. Um, at the same time, like one of the things I love about uh, about being here um, is that uh, when when one of us gets up to speak, um, you know us personally, right? Um, like you you are in a missional community, almost all of you with with one of the elders, um, or you're close to one of the elders, and so there's something special about somebody you know and love actually delivering. Um, a word from God to you, right? Um, so we've got this great collection of speakers coming to speak for us, and we also have an elder team that knows you and loves you that are gonna that are gonna speak as well as we work through these things. All right. Um, so that's a lot of like like gospel. When we talk about the true story and where our place um, is in it, that's a lot of what we're going to explore um, over the coming year. Um, the second uh, important thing uh, as we live in this overlapping age is community. So uh, because God makes us family together, we live our lives in community together. Um, I think we we have something unique here at Sola or fairly unique. We don't want it to be unique. Um, we, want, uh, uh, we want other churches to be like this, right? Uh, but we want to be family together. And as we do that, I hope that you, you take the approach of, um, like as we work with uh, the vulnerable and the oppressed in our community, we're looking for justice, not charity. All right. So I was um, I was reading. Uh, I think it was Judy Wu Dominic that was um, emphasizing the difference here. Um, charity is graciously giving somebody something they don't necessarily deserve. Okay. Um, and and charity is fine as far as it goes, but justice is actually restoring a person to what they are owed. Right. So when we talk about a lot of the systems um, in our country, you know, we're going to talk about poverty and immigration. Um, we're not coming to them saying, hey, we are graciously offering you this chance at community together with us. It's you were made for community. You were made to be family together with other people. And justice is saying, we want you, we want you to have that. We want you to be restored to what you deserve. 
okay? You were made for community, and we want to, we want to offer that to you. So as we work with um, the vulnerable and the oppressed, we're not supermen coming in to save them and offer them um, something that they don't deserve. We are actually just coming alongside them and inviting them to be family with us, okay? Um, and that looks like, like we're expending more money and effort to see the vulnerable with us. We have money set aside. Um, if you have somebody in, like, as, that's part of your MC or that, um, that is connected, that wants to be with us as a family, that is struggling with, with transportation or something, like we have money to, to get them there. We want people with us. Okay, um, if you have somebody with with a need in your missional community or somebody that you're working with that has a need, like we want to expend money and effort on that. Um, they like I, I know somebody uh, recently um, needed winter clothes. They just they didn't have it. They didn't have the money for it. Um, like we. I just text one of the elders um, and, and we'll, be, we'll be right on it. We've got money set aside for that, okay? Um, so as we do community together, um, we are inviting people into family with us and we are gonna expend money and effort on that, all right? We are gonna, we are, um, gonna put our money where our value is. Um, and then mission, uh, we have gospel community mission. We're participating with God in his work to reconcile all things to himself. We're going to continue and expand some of these partnerships that we have. Um, so as we send you out on mission, we want you to partner with people who are good at, at, at this, right? We're not asking you to start your own nonprofit. We're not asking you to go do something that nobody's ever done. Um, we're asking you to find good partners that are doing good work um, and work alongside of them. So, you know, we have uh, the homeless community community and Graceful Cafe, the Severe Weather Shelter um, that we're partnering with. We want to deepen that partnership. Um, we want to um, continue that partnership. We have the, the foster care community, Project 127, Collaborative Foster Care. We have uh, two or three, three families right now that are part of uh, the Collaborative Foster Care System, and we want to deepen that partnership, um, continue working with Project 127 to bring people in, and then also like I get the opportunity to help train them and, and, and go and spend hours with them telling them like here is here is why you're doing what you're here's what love means in this context right um we work with Bridge of Hope. Um, we want to continue that, expand it, um, see single mothers who are on the verge of homelessness um, be brought into community with our people. Um, we're starting a, a, a partnership with Love in the Name of Christ, Love Inc., um, where we can be part of that clearinghouse. Um, and, and they're going to refer people to us, primarily people who need community, who need family. Um, and, and we're going to have that opportunity to serve. And then we talked about um, immigration. We're going to bring North Littleton Promise in to talk about immigration. And they're also going to talk about um, the needs that they have. And it could be that one of our MCs, um, or, or we're ready to multiply um, into another MC that has the heart for immigrants, that wants to go on mission um, to, to that community right? Um, this is how we do it. Like somebody catches a vision for an area of mission to the vulnerable and the oppressed, and they gather people around them who have the same vision, who have that, that, um, that common mission, um, and then we are able to multiply an MC out, right? As they're trained, as they're ready, as they have qualified leadership. Um, but we want to present you with needs in our community um, and, then, and then work in that direction. So that's that's who we are. That's what we're, we're going to do. This is what it means to be 
um, soul of church, right? Um, to, to be uh, uh, committed to the gospel and community and mission. Um, and all of it revolves around uh, being united to Christ, um, having that identity where God uh, the Father has adopted us as family. We are now servants um, like Christ, and we are empowered by the Spirit to go out and be missionaries. Um, and so as we go back to the table and we take the bread and dip it in the cup, we're reminded, like, here's another picture that we have. So baptism is that primary picture where we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but as we go back and take communion, we're reminded that we're united to Christ. Um, we're on his mission. We are filled with the Spirit um, because of the sacrifice that he made, All right? So let's pray. We're going to go back. We're going to take the bread and the cup, um, and then we're going to enter into a new year and see what, what God has in store for us. We have these plans. Let me just say this. We have these plans. Um, we also don't know what God is going to do with us this year, all right? Um, and we are waiting expectantly with open hands, knowing that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. I think we've got some great things in store for the year, um, and God could blow it up and do something more incredible, okay? Um, so we are, we are open-handed coming to God, waiting to see what he's going to do with us this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Um, for bringing us together, for calling us as a church, um, giving us uh, our identity um, as a family, as servants, as missionaries, as disciples. Um, God, I pray uh, for our leadership as we seek to lead this community into this next year. Um, God, we have a, a lot of plans. Um, we have a lot of ideas, um, and we think they're really good. Um, but God, I pray that you would do um, through your spirit uh, what you would have for us as a church. Uh, God, I pray that we would never rely on our own strength and wisdom and um, and wit to get us through um, this, this overlapping age, uh, but that we'd be full of your spirit Spirit, um, just pressing into the good news of the gospel um, together as a community, that we are family together um, with, with that focus on mission, that we are, um, we are looking to do justice in your name. We are looking to restore all things to what they're supposed to be. Um, God, we are excited for what you're going to do this year. Um, we, we can't wait to see uh, what you have in store for us, and, and we know that you can do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Uh, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.